Hello and welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and each week I talk with event professionals about how they plan, promote, and run their events. Whether you're running small meetups or large conferences, exhibitions, and concerts, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. The podcast is sponsored by our ticketing system called Events Frame. Make the switch from Eventbrite today for our amazing ticket system, and we have no ticket fees, just a low monthly cost. We've got full integration with all the main payment gateways, with Stripe, with PayPal, with Braintree, and we've got the best email integrations out there. We email with almost we integrate with almost every email marketing system, so Mailchimp, Zapier, Infusionsoft, Aweber, to name just a few. We've got thousands of events live on our system, so please give it a try. And if you're interested to try, drop me an email at dan at eventsframe.com, D-A-N at eventsframe.com with the subject line podcast, and I'll send you a special secret discount code. So on to today's interview. This was really interesting. I spoke to two people from Ireland called David Costello and Claire Kennedy. They're entrepreneurs who split between Ireland and the Czech Republic, and they run the Czech chapter of something called the Founder Institute. It's a really interesting uh, accelerator for new startups, like pre-seeds or really early stage accelerator. And they run a bunch of sessions, and they invited me to be one of the mentors, which I was proud to participate in. And, and the reason I got them on the pod was they started from nothing and ran a couple of meetups, and they got 75 people to turn up to the first meetup, and they got 100 to turn up for the second. So I want to talk about how you can start a meetup completely from scratch and fill the room. It's a really interesting story of how they started this. And the first event they ran on, I think, like five days notice. It was a really, really quick event. They used Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and partnering with local entrepreneurs. So I think there's a ton of value to anyone here looking to start a meetup and try to get people in the door. So all the best. Hope everyone's having a great week. And on to the interview. Hi, and welcome to the uh, events podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Claire Kennedy and David Costello. They run something called the Founder Institute, which I've been involved in. It's um, essentially a series of events for startup entrepreneurs, and there's also an element of an incubator in it. So uh, I'm just kind of learning about it myself and learning about these guys. So hi, guys, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Hello, thanks so much for having us. Pleasure. Like we had a, behind the scenes, we had a bit of the usual audio dramas, but hopefully we've resolved them <laughs> now. So we're re-recording the, the intro. Uh, guys, so first of all, it'd be really great just to get a bit of an introduction to your guys' backgrounds in work and business. Um, and then we can get into how you came to found the Founder Institute in, in Prague. Yeah, um, so quickly about us, uh, we have been kind of working with uh, like high potential startups as for the last kind of 10 years for myself and kind of six years for Claire yeah. and mainly up to the last two years as in kind of like employee roles. So worked in kind of a large media startup, Claire's worked in a health food uh, company. So um, after, about two years ago, we decided to set up our own kind of digital marketing agency specifically targeting uh, high potential startups who've received funding as our, as, as our target market. Yep. Um, we've looked at kind of, I suppose, more interesting industries, kind of like kind of futurist or kind of leading edge tech industries, like blockchain and things like that as, as kind of our primary targets, mainly because there seems to be a lot of interesting things happening there. They're usually pretty high growth. And certainly with the, with the kind of example of blockchain, they've got some pretty good behind them so you can you get a chance to do kind of a lot of interesting projects mm-hmm. 
and, and, and I suppose with any kind of startup, the ones that are growing the fastest usually are the most exciting ones to work with and they're the ones we kind of target. It's interesting with the blockchain because I've, I've, been, I've been interested in this for a long time. I, went, I actually went to um, the first ever Bitcoin conference in, I think in the world, which was held in 2011 in Prague. Wow. Um, I didn't buy any Bitcoin in it, but I, I did start buying in 2013, so I've still done okay out of it. But um, it's interesting because now, you know, it's just dropped off a cliff and, and you had all the ICO mania wow. and blockchain yeah. mania and, and, it, and then it's just like, you know, all the crypto prices have dropped, the ICO market's just dropped. And, and now is probably the time it's going to get interesting, I think. Like the time everyone's kind of forgotten about it is usually the time when interesting stuff starts happening, you know. And I mean, I'm not sure how much, there's obviously a lot less funding around, but I'm sure it's going to come back. Definitely. I think the technology behind the whole thing is, is really where the potential is. I think the currency element was a bit, yeah, as you say, some somewhat mania kind of based where everyone was investing in Bitcoin, even mostly people who didn't even understand the the kind of technology behind it or what it was actually about. They just said, look, I want to want to buy a Lamborghini. Yeah. <laughs> seems like a good yeah, way to do it. Yeah, to buy some Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, so we we actually even like some of our clients now even pay us in crypto, which is which is quite interesting. Um it gives you kind of a bit more insight on that so side. How, of, how did you how did you come to start this agency and how did you end up coming coming to Prague? Because I guess you were you both from Ireland. So how did yeah. you? What was the story behind starting this company? And did that combine? Was that did that coincide with moving to Prague, or did you come here to start the company? How did we? we, we it's yeah. a bit of a story for disruptive. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we came together. Know. It's never it's yeah. never a simple story. There's always <laughs> like a narrative. I always say there's like a narrative fallacy if everyone wants to give a smooth story but it's usually a complicated story with a few twists and turns <laughs> that's it i've been thinking a lot about it recently actually with the founder institute and hearing people's pitches and hearing even your, yourself and the guys and the other mentors kind of introducing their companies and thinking geez we really need to sit down at some point and figure out you know a good a good story that actually <laughs> yeah. makes you know what i mean that works for when we explain to people yeah, how yeah. we came together yeah I, I suppose the short the short story is that uh, back in 2014 we entered uh, the department of enterprise in Ireland had a competition uh, Ireland's best young entrepreneur we could, and we pitched in the kind of new idea category and what we actually originally pitched was a, a mobile app that, a communications app yeah yeah, yeah for, for micro enterprises so say for example if you were a graphic designer and you had say a couple of kids or you're you're kind of minding them at home you'd stopped working but you had three or four hours free a week that would connect you with people who kind of had small jobs where you could earn a little bit of extra income and things like that so we ended up winning uh winning a section in that and we received some some seed funding to kind of get the thing up and running um that's when we ran into our first major disaster as a, as a startup we we employed an irish app company to to develop the develop the mobile app and with no research actually yeah. you know thinking about it yep. it's, it's a yeah. terrible decision but yeah yeah so they basically completely destroyed the whole concept and but they spent the money okay yeah, 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 yeah that, were, that was fine they were good at that yeah, it's, good always, at it's always hard if you don't have a technical co-founder and you go to a dev shop it's like it's you know like it, it just makes it harder i mean you can succeed and loads of companies do but it's you know it, it's, it's hard you're starting off from a tough position i guess yeah yeah definitely and, and but after that i suppose we completely kind of pivoted uh we through kind of pitching the app and talking to different people we we made a few contacts so we managed to just kind of start off as a sort of traditional kind of digital agency and focusing on content creation, yeah. really, wasn't it? It yeah. was like editorial content and, and video content. Yeah. Right. yeah. So we started with that and then uh, we kind of built a very small base and then looked at, well, what, what are we really kind of specializing in? We don't want to commute kind of just another generic agency that kind of targets everyone. So 
we looked at what we'd done and in, in, in kind of our work history and it all being kind of driving growth for for startups basically so we thought well what's the what's the kind of biggest opportunity there and i, I think what it, it's kind of we, we thought it was look at emerging industries look mm-hmm. at startups that have some funding already so they do have money the biggest problem with most startups is that they have no money and they don't yeah. want to pay for anything whereas if you've got funded startups they've got some capital there to kind of do some interesting stuff especially if they're if they're trying to drive kind of user base growth which mm-hmm. is the which is the biggest thing these days more than even revenue a lot of the time is to kind of build that big user base so that's where we kind of focused our, our efforts and it's it's kind of proven pretty successful for us certainly in the last kind of uh, year where where we've kind of set up the we, we have an office in Dublin and we we're looking at somewhere to set up a second office that was maybe kind of better value but still had the same kind of advantages that 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 say Ireland would have and Claire had been you yeah I was on Erasmus here like a few years ago now I <laughs> know oh, really? um, just kind of fell in love with the city and um, wanted to experience another side to it you know outside of um kind of the, the typical student life and um yeah. we'd been back and forth here quite a bit visiting friends and it just seemed like I mean a great place for us to to set up our, our second branch my, my wife actually came to Prague on Erasmus and stayed here as well interestingly that's well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think a few people have actually. A few of our friends that live here have done the same thing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah almost, almost everyone who lives in Prague, they, they all leave and they all want to come back. Like I've never, everyone misses it. You know, I mean, you can get sick of Prague, and then but you always miss it when you leave for some reason. It's not every city is like that, but Prague is for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I think it's still kind of at that stage where it's not like a, kind of a London or a Paris where it's kind of a little bit anonymous. It's a bit more kind of a, a smaller, kind of more vibrant city. I think. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, so, you, are you still based? Do you still have an office in Dublin? You actually have a physical office in Dublin, do you? Yeah, yeah, we have an office uh, just uh, about kind of a couple of miles outside the city centre in South Dublin. Yeah. And and so, what do you do? Is the main thing you're doing like you're actually creating video content and and writing stuff? Is that, are you actually creating the content for clients, or are you helping them do it? Yeah, we actually we moved away from that when we kind of decided, you know, what, what was it really that we wanted our focus to be? Um, and we kind of did that about a year ago. So a lot of the times with our clients, they, they will have a team kind of in place. Some of them will have some content creators there. And we essentially come in and create their kind of long term digital marketing and like marketing, uh, traditional marketing strategies. So we'll kind of oversee certain elements of design and um, certain elements. I know Dave has um some background with um, computer programming as well. So it's really kind of an all-round marketing and digital marketing strategy. Um, we don't actually, it depends on our clients. I mean, we've had um, um, a client for quite a number of years and we do more of a creative agency with them and um, right. creating video content and things. But I mean, in the past year, yeah, we've been focusing on, as Dave said, high potential startups and kind of setting a strategy in place for them, whereas they wouldn't have had one before. Got it. How did you come to be involved in the Founder Institute? What was the story behind that? Yeah, that that was something we we, uh, we actually through LinkedIn. We, they actually reached out to us and said they were looking to establish a, a chapter in Prague. I think they basically just looked at our profiles and said, "Yeah, you guys could potentially launch this for us." So um, it seemed like a really a really good opportunity because it's our kind of presence in Prague isn't we at the time certainly wasn't wasn't very strong at all. You know, it's kind of a difficult especially if you don't speak kind of fluent Czech or you're, you're not kind of involved in the kind of local communities as much. Um, if you were, if you were say native here, um, so it offered us kind of a, a way into kind of linking in with, with, with the startup community and ecosystem here, which, which is great. And that was, that was the biggest opportunity for us 
was cool. to just get that foothold there. Can you, can you give some more detail about what is a Founder Institute? The website for anyone is fi.co, quite a nice domain they've got. What's, what's the background for it? What does it do and who's behind it, et cetera? Yeah, so um, it's the biggest pre-seed accelerator in the world, essentially. There's, uh, it's, it's based, they're based out of Silicon Valley. The CEO, Deoresi, kind of really interesting guy. He's set up nine or ten large-scale companies at this stage. He's worked with, like he was in college with Elon Musk, and he, he worked with on the Mission to Mars kind of initiative with him. And um, there's uh, chapters in 200 cities now. In about 60 or 70 countries around the world so it's a, it's, it's a massive organization um it's created a network of around eleven thousand, i think ceo mm-hmm. mentors and you're you're one of those dan <laughs> included in there Glad to be part of it <laughs> yeah yeah so it's a, it's a great network even just to just to be a part of um so the idea behind it is to take aspiring tech founders and take them from pre-seed to the end of from the, at the start of the course to a by the end of the course, they'll have incorporated their company and they'll be ready to kind of start trading or looking for funding or, or whatever else their first step is going to be. And how often, how, how long do these courses run for? And, and do, do, does each chapter run multiple courses a year? What's the, what's the general format? Yeah. So the courses generally are 14 weeks long. So it's between two and three per year, depending on kind of breaks and schedules and things like that. Um, so ideally, each each semester will have uh, approximately 50 founders who will start it. Um, the f- pass rate is only about 30% for the course. Yeah. So the idea is to produce entrepreneurs at the end of it who have really kind of polished, high-quality startups ready to go, essentially. to yeah. feed. And because it's a wider ecosystem of of the CEO mentors and the partners, would like a lot of the major partners would be VCs or funds and things like that who want to invest in these startups that the companies that would emerge at the end would be as polished and as high quality as as possible so it's kind of uh quite a quite a harsh and harsh system but it produces uh some good quality yeah, companies quality. i think the the worldwide portfolio now for the founder institute's worth over 20 billion or something like that so uh, I mean, I, honestly I, I don't think it's like, i think 30 percent is high 30 percent to really from a from people because if you're talking pre-seed it's a lot of these ideas are never gonna fly i mean if, actually uh-huh. that, yeah. that sounds like a lot to me That's, that sounds pretty good yeah 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 like I, I think it is yeah like even by the time you've gotten to the like we can only kind of accept about 50 50 startups so by the time you've even got to that stage um you've already kind of whittled down some of the some of the ideas that don't really make sense or the people aren't really kind of committed to it so um it's yeah it's it, it is it, it it's it's kind of a pretty established course and the guys have really really refined it down so it is a case of it, it will we will help any kind of entrepreneur that starts in the course as much as possible but they really have to kind of stand on their own two feet and sure. kind of put, put up their idea cool and i guess yeah it's probably good to have this kind of accelerated probably slightly high pressure period because you know if if, if you can't if you can't get through that successfully you're probably not you know there's a good chance you're not going to make it with your idea or even as an entrepreneur, I mean, maybe you maybe you'll make it as an entrepreneur with a different idea. But with this idea, it's you know, if you you know, it, it's probably good to kind of force it to make or break it early on because you could you know you can you can drift along for two or three years slowly as a, as a as a side project and never really try to validate it, and and nothing happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's kind of something that I think a day the CEO says himself. He goes, "Well, we made the course tough because being an entrepreneur is is, is much tougher than that." So. Um, I think it was it was one of our mentors in the the first um, event that was asked the difference between an entrepreneur and a freelancer. 
So, you know, you live, breathe and eat essentially, you know, everything, your idea, you, you live within your company. It, yep. It's everything. So that's kind of how, you know, Founder Institute targets and how, how they've developed their program is kind of is based around that. And I mean, yeah, I guess if, if, if you can't kind of develop with the program, then maybe it's the wrong idea or maybe entrepreneurship kind of is, isn't for that person at that time. Definitely. And I think, you know, we talked about this last week at the event, like it's kind of become cool to be an entrepreneur now. It's, it's really started. I've noticed it much more in the last five years and even maybe the last two years a lot, you know, I think given that there's so many YouTubers, like people like Gary Vaynerchuk and these people mm-hmm. who are like becoming superstars as entrepreneurs, you know, and it's like, it's, it's interesting to me because I think it's attracting a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs, uh, but they don't want the reality of your entrepreneur, which is existential dread, misery, stress about when you're going to get paid, stress about when your next client's coming, you know, um, great highs and then crushing lows right afterwards. Yeah, like, sure. And it's, it doesn't mean to say that no, anyone, anyone should try it, you know, but you've got to be realistic about what it actually entails, you know, and it's, it's, it's not the same life as having a job anyways. Yeah, that's no. it. And I think especially, yeah, as a startup, I mean, I, definitely we, we found this and I think we're still finding it like you, you're you're every position in the company you know you kind of you deal with everything with the client facing even down to kind of the most basic tasks kind of in the office until you get yourself situated you know or you grow your team so I think that can be quite difficult for people to deal with as well yeah so let's get back to, to the story so these guys contacted you. I guess I guess they contacted a bunch of people because they, you know, they're obviously they've got looking at the map. They've got chapters all over. What yeah. what happened? How did how did you get from that to actually running the Czech Republic chapter? Yeah, so that was interesting in that the first step we had to take was to uh, essentially line up the directors for the program. So obviously it was it was myself and Claire initially, and then we we were looking for someone within the kind of community, the business community that we knew that had kind of really good contacts and was a lot more established than we were because the, the big part of the process is having to recruit CEO mentors, which is is quite a difficult thing to do if you don't really have personal contact with them. Most, sure. most people kind of dismiss it. So that's how we we kind of ended up speaking to Matt and he's been kind of fantastic to... Yeah, that's Matt, Matt East, who's, a, I think, president of ISIC now. People probably know the student uh, card organization. And he runs that in multiple countries and he's president of the worldwide federation, I believe right now as well. Yeah. 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 And I think he's, he's been in Prague for close to 20 years now at this stage. I think so. So he's got, he's got a really great network and yourself included Dan in, in that. And it was great. Just a great kind of boost for us just to get those initial uh, mentors uh, like yourself in there who have that kind of background and can deliver really kind of high quality presentations because that's a big part of, I suppose, attracting people to the course because yourself and the other CEO mentors mm-hmm. are going to be the people who drive the businesses forward within the course. So um, without that, it's, it's, it, it doesn't have much value, mm-hmm. you know? It's true. I know we haven't even gotten to the events side of it yet, but that's, that's the thing just generally with events. Like if you partner with someone who's got an audience, that's always a, a huge, because that's the biggest question everyone always asks is how do I get people to come to my event, you know? And, and the best way or one of the best ways is to, to find someone who's got an audience and get them involved in it and then get their audience, you know? And whether that's like you run it with a co-working space and they've got an email list or you run it with an entrepreneur who's got a bunch of contacts, um, you know, trying to do things, if, you, if you're kind of new and you're kind of new to the Czech entrepreneurial scene, you know, so you've got contacts, but not a huge amount. 
you know, it's always better to, to partner with someone who, who does have the audience built in because it just gives you, makes it so much easier. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, it made sense. It was a great fit, I think. Yeah, and a, and a big part of what what we have to do initially, actually, for the Founder Institute, sorry, Founder Institute, was to establish a group of partners. So, as you say, there we we've partnered with a number of the startup groups, the likes of kind of Prague Startup Center, Startup Yard, uh, Node Five. No, no, when you say part of these guys, what does that mean? I mean, you, you're going to use their venue, you get it for free, you promote them as well. How does the relationship work with, with these guys? Yeah, it can, it can vary depending on the, on the partnership. I mean, it can be pretty straightforward, whereas, you know, we can use their venue and with that then, you know, their logo will be shared across the kind of FI social networks as well as, you know, the FI Prague Facebook page as well. I mean, the like um, the main Founder Institute Twitter, I think, has uh, between – I think nearly 80,000 followers. So, I mean, you're kind, you're kind of leveraging their followers as well. Um, yep. I mean, some of the partnerships then, yeah, I think it'll, it'll be a case of, you know, they'll share certain, certain amounts of media will share their logos or they'll um, share an event space with us as well. Or there's um, other, other for, forms of partnerships as well, like fellowships. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd offer kind of free places on the courses for them. And then for like the co-working spaces and things like that to get 50 or a hundred people who are, aspiring to start their own businesses into their venues is is, exactly. is, is quite good for them because obviously they're going to see what what the different locations are all about when they may not have gotten that opportunity before so that, that's right. quite a, a good benefit i think for for the partners and it doesn't it it doesn't usually cost them anything at all you know because these are free events and also um we we only kind of would have them on days where they maybe don't have an event on in the evening or something like that. So the place would be empty anyway. So it's a case of, yeah, we can get these, these hundred entrepreneurs in that and maybe a small percentage of those will end up paying for space within your co-working space anyway. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, definitely. How, how did you, um, so the first event you ran, I, th- I believe it was the first one was you had some presentations on the transition from employee to entrepreneur, which that's what I think the one I was at. Um, how did you, and you had a good crowd of that, I think, I don't know, over 70 people, is that right, for the first event? Yeah, yeah, I think we ended up having about 70, 75 people for, for that event, so it was, it was great considering... That was only, fantastic. Yeah, we only had kind of, I suppose, five or six days to promote it. So how, I'm curious, like, let's, let's get into that. How did, you, how did you get the venue, and how did you promote the event? How did you get those 70 people, and how did you... Let's, let's start off with, the, what, what, was, what was your process, like, what did you do first in terms of organizing this event? Yeah, well, we we tend to you know, we'll start off, I suppose, with the venue. That probably makes the most sense. Uh, the venue is actually the the office of one of our CEO mentors, Jacob. That's his his office space there. It's so he was very cool place, right on old, overlooking oh, Old Town yeah. Square in Prague, which is really cool. Yeah, very, very, very cool. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, absolutely. And he like he's been great in time in terms of kind of the level of support that he's given us throughout. And for him, he's kind of in the same boat as us. His office is are in the States, like whereas ours are in Dublin and he'd established an office here, but he was obviously looking for more kind of presence in the local ecosystem. And his, his main focus is startups as well. They're a digital development agency. So they create MVPs and do things like that. So he was keen in the same way we were to kind of get a foothold here. And we were very fortunate that he he offered his, um, his space to us. Yeah. 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 I think he kind of wanted, wanted the, the founders to see what they're doing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so having them in, in his own office space gave them, gave them an opportunity to do that. Um, and then from the marketing side of things, um, a lot of the stuff 
we work on comes is kind of in collaboration with with, with the HQ, the FIHQ. So we obviously, as a digital marketing agency, we have a number of kind of different kind of strategies to to drive people to um, basically to, to to attend the events. So we post on multiple platforms, use kind of paid social media campaigns. Instagram is actually quite a good one at the minute. Yeah, let, let, let's let's get into detail about how you did this. I mean, so the main, I guess, the main page was was a Facebook page. Is that right? I mean, the only presence I saw was face was the, you created a Facebook event. Is that was that the main thing you were driving people to? To get yeah, Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, they were kind of the main drivers. Um, it, a lot of a lot of it was to do with uh, the targeting that we used. We were very very kind of detailed targeting through Facebook and and Instagram that allowed us to kind of really hit those people who would be interested in the event. So can, can you talk about how, about how you did that? So were you, were you creating paid ads targeting yeah. on, on so how, how how would that, how would that work? Uh, just yeah, cause, yeah. Cause I'm, I'm, I don't know much about Facebook ads myself, so I'm really interested to hear how how you did that to promote an event. Yeah, it's only it's only it was only a small scale budget. Like uh, as, as I said, we only ran it for kind of five or six days. I think it was it was less than a hundred euro for the budget, so it wasn't like a massive budget by any means. Um, so we we ran a Facebook uh, campaign. I was targeting kind of people who had maybe expressed interest, say, in one of the other kind of startup organizations in Prague, like say Startup Yard or one of these other ones. So they're say they're members of one of those groups. They were within the kind right, of so you're targeting people who are members of, of specific groups. As, as yeah, interest. Yeah, interest yeah. definitely played a big part, targeting uh, specific interests. Uh, obviously, we obviously it was an extremely narrow demographic as well. And I think, yeah, we just we used the resources that we had on hand to create graphics to kind of just have everything kind of branded, I guess. Mm. Yeah, there was a lot of content there. We also used like sponsored in-mail campaigns, so targeting founders who live in Prague with less than one year or two years experience. So in-mail, are you, is this LinkedIn onto now then? Was yeah, this is onto LinkedIn as well. So yeah. we did that. It was, it was sponsored in-mail. So we managed to hit a few people with that as well. And then we had an event on Meetup that was promoted by HQ themselves. And um, we got about 10 or 20% of our, of our visitors through that. But again, yeah, it was... Instagram and Facebook were definitely the most successful for yeah. us. I mean, we kind of knew when we were doing it that an in-mail campaign wouldn't be as successful. I mean, when you're using such... I guess when you've got such a narrow bandwidth for who you're targeting, it generally doesn't work as well. I mean, and isn't, as well, it, is, isn't LinkedIn advert, adverts quite expensive? And the times I've looked at LinkedIn advertising, it's looked super expensive. Yeah. Um, in mail actually works much better. I think you get a much higher, it's much better value for money. And that allows you just to, to to mail message people directly on on, on LinkedIn. Exactly. Yeah. So you can target people in a lot of different ways. I mean, you can look for their job titles, um, depending on the company, you can possibly search for the company and target them like that. I mean, their targeting system on the in-mail campaigns are great, but it was just, it was far too narrow for us. I know because we were looking for such a specific type of of person. So we really found that the Facebook and Instagram just worked, worked a lot better for us. But I mean, we said we, we tested on LinkedIn just to see, we, we, we got, we got a little bit of interest, but nowhere near as much of interest as, as we did like running the paid campaigns, like Dave said, using the graphics and kind of posting consistent content on Facebook and Instagram. So, so how, so when you say using the graphics, what, what was your, what content were you posting as part of the ads and was it, was it just a call to action to register or was it some, like some, like a, some information about startups? What was the process on that? I'm really curious about using because I've never used Facebook ads or linked or, or Instagram once. I'm really curious about because it sounds like the majority of your of your attendees you're saying came from Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, I think that was to do with, a lot to do with the with the type of audience we were kind of targeting, um, and as well as that because the event was free. So definitely, it, 
we would use kind of different um, different platforms and things like that if it was a paid event. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd kind of look a little bit more like remarketing and things like that because with paid events, you kind of have to hit people three or four times, whereas with yeah. a free event, the likelihood of someone signing up is 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 a lot higher on the first kind of first impression so essentially was, was the advert just literally like you know a, a link to the page so here's here's a page register it's free there wasn't any kind of steps to go through to get to that um we started off advertising or really highlighting who the the mentors were because yeah. i mean for us that was like our unique selling point you know sure look at these like you know just kind of describing who the mentors were really putting value behind you know a reason why you should attend the event and then we followed up with them Again, I know I mentioned graphics. We kind of just designed a poster or banner kind of and used the same graphics, used the same design essentially for the other banners. And then we we described kind of other, other parts of the event, kind of what the agenda for the event was going to be, the type of people that should attend. Um, we, then we gave a little bit more detail as the, as the days kind of went on. But in, ev- in everything that we posted, it, it was always a link to register for tickets. And, and did you advertise in people's in the Facebook feed or have the adverts off to the right of, of the page on Facebook? Yeah, these these would be feed posts. Yeah, the preferred. Feed, yeah. Um, we also did some some video content as well, but this okay. is um, video content was just kind of to support the event promotion. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. What, what about Instagram? Because I'm fascinated by Instagram. Because a few people have been telling me recently it's it's underpriced as a as an advertising medium, and and it and it won't always be like that. Do you do you find that? And, and I'm curious, how did you do? Because I use Instagram a little bit, but I, I don't do stories or anything like that. I mean, how do you how do you advertise on Instagram? Do you create a story that people see on on their screen when when they log on, or how does it work? Yes, yeah, stories can be quite effective. I, I would definitely agree that it's it's kind of undervalued at the minute. Um, people use it in for very kind of specific industries, and they don't think that you can use it for say stuff like events, like corporate stuff either. But if as long as your content is is really really visual and you can kind of create like that kind of visual impression with people. It'll definitely be effective, and Facebook is Facebook ads are so much more competitive yeah. than Instagram ads at the minute. So uh, you do end up kind of you will get better value essentially. Right. If and you, I guess you Instagram, get- you can either I guess it can either be a story or, or it can be in their feed. Is that right? Is that how the adverts yeah. how the adverts work? Yeah, yeah. You can actually even even now they they've made it really really easy once you're setting up your Facebook ads because obviously they own Instagram as well. You, you can just them, you yeah. can just link them straight in there, so they'll show up in your Instagram feed and, and your Facebook. Ah, so you can you can create. A, I think that's useful for people. You can create a joint ad in Facebook and also put it straight to push it to Instagram. Yeah, straight away. Yeah. You don't you don't have to really edit it if you don't want to for Instagram. It just it just connects. That's that's interesting. Yeah, because this it's interesting. I've had a, few, a couple of guests on. There's a guy you should, you should check out. Uh, I interviewed who runs the marketing meetup in the UK, and they run a bunch of you know focused on marketing. You know, free free meetups, and he does a lot of Facebook, but it's essentially free. You know, just free posting in groups. You know, the kind of you know the, the legwork stuff, not not paid ads. But um, it, yeah. you're you're the first people I've spoken to who've really done this, and it was a success. Obviously, I mean, if you only spent like a hundred euros and, and you got seventy five people, that's that's pretty impressive, I think. Yeah, we we like we worked with campaigns up to kind of twenty or thirty thousand euro per client per month, um, and at that sort of level, like you can really kind of achieve an awful awful lot. Like people underestimate how much you can actually do with Facebook because they see it as a as a free platform, but the, uh, even Facebook themselves are reducing the organic reach on posts more and more all the time, trying to push people into at least putting small budgets because obviously they're they're a company that makes that needs to make money from the platform. But if you're dealing with large scale budgets and you're 
and your company and you've got that kind of capital, the value from money you'll get from that is is pretty pretty high up there with any other kind of platform that you can use. Sure. Are you do you still do much promotion on uh, Google AdWords now, or do you find that's being replaced by Facebook as a, as a kind of paid channel? No, I think AdWords is still as relevant as it, as it was. Like Google are great in that there's so much you can do within AdWords. Um, yes, I mean you can. Yeah, you, you, you can lose a lot. Well, not lose a lot of time. We can spend a lot of time in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's a, there's, a lot, there's a lot more you can do with AdWords than you, than obviously you can do on on social media platforms. Um, but stuff we found really that works really well is kind of creating remarketing audiences. So someone visits your website, then they see your ad, things like that, where. It, this this is kind of going back to uh, if you're looking for kind of paid events versus free events. For paid events, you want to, as I said, you want to hit people three or four times because that's how long it's going to take them to kind of decide to pull the trigger and actually pay for a ticket. Yeah, it's obviously a lot harder to get people to pay than get people to register for a free ticket. So that's can, where. Can I just stay on that point because that's interesting? I haven't heard that before. So you're saying for paid events, you think three or four times is the number of times people should see see an advert. Yeah, I, I, I kind of found that to be the case. Like, if you look at, uh, say, for example, a good what's a good example of this? Like the Web Summit. Yep. Um, I've never really heard of that before. Yeah, I saw Web Summit ads like a million times. Like everywhere I went on the internet, I was getting. I was obviously someone who figured wanted to go to the Web Summit, you know, because I was getting retargeted like crazy for that. Exactly. Yeah, that, they do it really, really effectively. Like, if you say, for example, if you sign up to their like mailing list or something like that, like you'll get personalized mails and then you'll see their ads everywhere you'll see them their ads through adwords and you'll see their ads on social media as well through like uh, facebook pixel and things like that so you're kind of if you're anyway inclined to buy a ticket or to register for a ticket um they have a really effective way of kind of funneling you in there and they increase the urgency the closer it gets to the event as well so you'll start to see kind of an increasing amount of stuff popping up across pretty much everywhere you are when you're when you're online <laughs> yeah so, definitely yeah. how um did you get any attendees from because obviously you know you, you had you had matt east and people and some of your partners did you get them to promote it and did that also bring in attendees as well as the, the paid ads you know, like your network just their, their contacts yeah certainly with the first event i know there there was a lot of the guys from oaks lab were interested in seeing jacob speak and um, so kind of he, he he brought he brought those in um, for the last event, Matt certainly brought in some people from GTS who were interested in kind of seeing how, how the whole system works. I think a lot of people are kind of curious about it because it hasn't been hasn't been done in in Prague before. Like I, I, we spoke to a VC today, and like he said, yeah, it's a big part of what's missing is that kind of inspirational kind of idea stage in Prague that kind of precede. So, like, there's lots of kind of seed accelerators. There's lots of kind of Series A VCs things like that. Um, but for the pre-seed, for getting people into that kind of starting a business sort of mindset, there isn't a huge amount here yet. So they're really interested and curious to see how this kind of pans out and how it, how, how it works and how much interest even that there's going to be within Prague for that. Cool. Guys, well, I don't want to keep you much longer. That was uh, super interesting. Um, Great. Nice. <laughs> I want to say, guys, where, where can people find you online? Anything you want to promote, either your personal accounts or company accounts? I can add links to the show notes as well, but where's the best place for people to find you online? Yeah, I think uh, if people want to reach out to us through, through the website, disruptdigi.com, that's that's a pretty good place to kind of to kind of get us. You'll always find us on email there. We're always on LinkedIn. Yeah, always on LinkedIn as well. We, we do quite a lot uh, kind of link, 
on in groups and stuff and marketing groups and things like that so uh yeah either of those platforms are probably the best best way to reach out if anyone's got any questions or anything else like that good guys well pleasure to talk to you uh best of luck with founder institute and uh have a good christmas as well thanks so much Dan. Dan. take care do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events Events Frame Event Ticketing has been built to minimize the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket. Result? You sell more tickets. Check out eventsframe.com 